Welcome to more about officership, an open and honest discussion about officership in Australia. As we move towards One Australia Territory, host Captain Matt Reed is joined by officers from across the country to discuss the challenges and rewards of being an officer today. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Candidates Podcast. I have with me an author, an officer, and uh, sometimes a friend uh, in Captain Peter Brookshaw. Welcome to you, Peter. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. It's good to uh, have you here or joining us on this occasion. We have had Pete and Joe on the podcast before, but we're going to talk about some other project that Pete's been working on, uh, and that is a book that is soon to be released, as in very, very Very soon. Very soon, yes. Um, And... So that's that's going to be the basis of our conversation today. It's called Jesus Christ, Nine Lies, Half-Truths and Outrageous Misconceptions About the Most Revolutionary Person Who Has Ever Lived. Sounds amazing. So you co-authored the book with... Yeah, Major Stephen Court okay. and um, it's second in our series. Um, so the first one we wrote was on holiness called Holy. And uh, that was about nine lies, lies, half-truths and outrageous misconceptions about holiness and okay. sanctification. Um, so this one's really about the person of Jesus Christ. And uh, so we're just uh, writing a book really, um, Matt, it's really inspired by um, C.S. Lewis's quote, um, which talks about um, Jesus Christ wasn't just a nice man, right? He, um, he was either a revolutionary or he was a liar or a lunatic. It was no, it was no halfway for him. And yep. so, really, the book's inspired by that to take a fresh look at at the person of Jesus. Um, and when we do, I, I think we see something within him that uh, inspires me definitely as an author and as a follower of Jesus um, to just capture again how amazing and how revolutionary he is. Yeah. So Jesus is for some a historical figure. Jesus is a thing of the past for some people. Yeah. And you guys dragged that through. And I haven't read the whole book, so uh, there's my disclaimer. That's okay. You can buy a copy for $11.50. <laughs> I've got the PDF. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you can, um, you, you know, we get this conception of Jesus being a, a mystical character lived long ago. Well, and, yeah, and, well, you, and you guys are dragging, you're, you're, you're saying, and a lot of other people are saying too, but um, that Jesus is... Um, in who he is, is revolutionary to us today. Absolutely. Not I just mean, historical. you only look at look at social media today and say, for instance, recently we're talking about uh, the Victorian state um, opposition, you know, wanting to bring in religious education in schools and all of a sudden, you know, on social media it's, well, you know, Jesus is a fairy tale, all this sort of thing. Well, even atheist historians have said, say that Jesus was a historical figure, a real mm. person that walked the earth. Um so you can't say Jesus was a fairy tale. Well, that's that's not negotiable there. Mm. Jesus Christ of Nazareth did walk the earth. Now the question isn't whether he existed or not. It's who is he? You know, um, and that's where the discussion um, lends itself. So I mean, even people nowadays saying Jesus was a fairy tale. No, he wasn't. He walked the earth. Now we're going to discuss who he is yeah. and what that means for your life. So who is he? And this is what you guys address this in yeah. the book. And obviously Stephen's not here to um, chime in at this stage, but who is he? Well, he's not just a nice moral teacher. That's that's the first point um, that needs to be said because my, he did walk around, um, you know, spurting out um, kind of that moral teaching, no doubt about that, love your neighbour as yourself and um, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Um, he was a moral teacher, but he also walked around saying, I am the light of the world, connecting himself to um, the Old Testament when Moses um, 
was confronted by Yahweh at the burning bush. And Moses said, I'm going to go back to to Egypt to, um, you know, bring the Egyptians, uh, bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And Moses said, whom shall I say is sending me? And, and mm. Yahweh said, I am. Tell them I am is sending you. So Jesus walks the earth saying, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I mean, he's either that's true or, or he's an idiot. Like, do you know what I mean? Like if you walked around, Matt, saying I am, you know, God's gift to the world, everyone would either say he is or you're a lunatic, you know. So there's no in between. What, what do you say about that? About you, yeah. Um, oh, well, uh, let's. That's probably not appropriate for the podcast <laughs> right now. But um, so I just, I think for us, this book, Jesus Christ, is about um, just challenging people to look again at the person of Jesus Christ, and and say he's not just a nice person with nice moral teaching. He was a revolutionary who transformed, you know, the world. So in your own life and in the life of those that you do. You involved in community and ministry, yes. obviously at the core. What are the misconceptions or the lies that you think that people like? You, you've addressed these lies in the mm. book, but you you got real stories about people that you've met along the way, and you think that's just a lie. That that someone you have a, a view or you know mm. you've you've believed something that someone said about Jesus that actually isn't true. Um, yeah, in your life or in someone else's life. Yeah, well, I think um, it comes down to one of our doctrines in the Salvation Army about Jesus Christ is both human and, you know, he's, he's fully human, fully divine, yeah. um, which was a theological concept that kind of got nutted together a couple of centuries after um, Jesus was on earth. And so Jesus, um, you know, he he wasn't just a human who walked the earth and experienced, um, you know, sickness and and uh, ex- or experienced, uh, you know, feeling... Uh, maybe sad, or you know, when Lazarus passed away and and mm. was as was weeping, he he experienced that, yes. But he also rose from the grave on the third day, right? So, for some people who um, hold on to a view of Jesus who just might care for them, that's fine. But also, he rose from the grave, he conquered sin, and he's victorious. So, um, I think for some people, they need that view not just of the humanity of Jesus, but also the divinity of Jesus, that he, in fact, was victorious on the third day, um, that God did bridge the gap between humanity um, you know, and um, and God and, you know, the Trinity. Um, and therefore, you know, if they embrace Jesus, they embrace the fullness of Jesus, then their life is transformed, you know. So, and on the flip side, you can't just embrace the divinity of Jesus. You can't just say he was up there in the, in the sky, you know, whatever. Um, he also walked the earth and experienced pain like we did. So, you well, know. That's interesting because the emotions of Jesus, they're yeah. there, there's yes. grief. There's anger. Yep. You know, there's, there's deep Absolutely. sorrow. There's uncertainty at times. There's... Yep. Um, well, like, it sounds like officership, really, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. You know, yep. and, and we think that Jesus is just a nice man, you know, and he's there to comfort us and, and he is there to comfort us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But the person of Jesus is actually far more radical and far more like us in some respects, yep. given the nature of the, the human and the, yeah. the divine, yep. um, that he... That how is how it resonates with us. That yep. you know, sometimes we get angry. Yep. Jesus got angry. Sometimes yep, we right. get sad and we and we grieve. Well, and, Jesus does too. So yeah. it, it's not just a it's not a mystical character far far away. Yeah, it's actually a very real thing 
yeah, for us now. Yeah, absolutely. And see, the difference between us and Jesus is when Jesus gets angry, he's able to control his emotions so he doesn't yeah. sin, you know. When we get angry, well, you Apart know, from the table tossing. Um, well, yeah, we flip the tables, but we also flip out at our partners. And, you know, That's we, how I'm going to finish you know, this podcast. Sort of, I'm going to flip your desk over. Yeah, it's quite a big desk actually, so <laughs> good luck with that. But, yeah. uh, you know, so <laughs> Jesus has the emotions of, of any other human. I mean, he was... Um, fully human, um, just his ability to deal with his emotions is, uh, you know, obviously son of God, a lot better than the way we deal with some of our frustrations and anger and, yeah, yeah. and sadness. What do, you, what do you think then, like, in terms of the, I mean, there's the lies that we we hear about that, some of that stuff. And then, like, so the, the book's in three sections and there yeah. are questions sort of to, to yes. dig a little deeper, whether it be just yourself or in groups or whether someone else, obviously. Yes. But the second section is around half half truths. Yeah, you know, no, and I, I often say you can't be half pregnant. You know, like you either <laughs> <laughs> you either are or you aren't. There's this sort of idea in some people would say about a whole range of things in life. Oh, I sort of am. Well, you either you either are or you aren't. Yeah, is it the same as following Jesus? That some people like I'm sort of. Yeah, it's it's I an interesting one because we were talking even as a leadership team in our local core here at Craigieburn. Uh, about um, we want to we want to find out in our community of faith how many people are following Jesus, right? And someone in the you know leadership team said, "Well, how do we know if they're following Jesus?" And and the other person said, "Well, why don't you just ask them? Like they either are or they're not. Like it's it's a question that we think is really difficult, but find out you'll soon find out if they're following Jesus or not. Mm. Oh, 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 and as soon as they go, oh, oh, oh. No, they're not. <laughs> they're not following Jesus. You just, you know, they're not um, fully engaged with who Jesus Depends is. Depends what you mean by follow. You well, know, like, and that's yeah. that's the half truth. I follow because I'm, yeah, well, I'm committed the, to it, and I yeah. am determined to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Or he's about, he's around and about, and he's yeah, he's there when I I can call on him in my hour of need. You know, yeah, yeah, it's it's, and that's um, a half truth that we've bought into not only in the church but I think in the community. It, uh, Quite broadly, that that Jesus is there available to us when we need Him, and yeah, actually, almost like a one-stop Christian shop, you know. If, yeah. and, and Jesus is sitting there on cloud number nine, saying, "If you if you're struggling, just come knock at my door, and I'll help you." Rather yeah. than actually, Jesus wants your whole life. Come follow me, you know. Yeah. Um, come follow me and be on this journey with me, um, and and your life will be transformed. And I I think I want to encourage people, um, even as I was writing this book, to think about. I think Jesus wants all of us. He, he doesn't want just half of us. He doesn't want um, us to be kind of following him when we feel like it or Sunday do our Sunday yeah, yeah. morning one-hour worship yep. thing, um, but just follow him um, fully, you know, um, fully sold out to him. Okay. Um, science, you, you tackle a little bit of science and you challenge the notion that science isn't the whole story and that, yeah, well, it's. I think the more we find out about science, uh, the more we find out about the truth of God. I, I think that um, this whole thing in in community today, in in society today, where we talk about you know faith and science, like there's some sort of um, disconnect between. Them. I think the more science. Uh, the more we find out about science, the more we'll find out about the truth of God. And when it comes to to Jesus Christ, I mean, you look at the prophecies of the Old Testament and, um, you know, you see um, prophecies about 
um, the promised Messiah coming to earth, right? And so one of these chapters, it kind of gets in a little bit um, scientific, a little bit apologetics and mathematics and things. So, you know, some will just oh, love that chapter. Mathematics, that's you. Yeah, some geeks will just love it. Others will say this is a bit full on. But what we're trying to say in, in one of the chapters is that the probability of those predictions, of those prophecies coming true, all coming true in the person of Jesus Christ, like the, the probability of all of that, Yep. Um, you know, is is dumbfounding. You know, when you look at the numbers of of the probability of of those prophecies actually finding fulfilment in Jesus Christ is just amazing. I mean, you look at um, you know, with spring racing carnival uh, at the moment, the probability of you choosing a winner, and I know you don't bet because that's in our officer's covenant, Matt, but the probability of you kind of choosing, um, you know, um, a, the the right horses and getting the um, trifecta and all the rest of it, you know, yep. very minimal. So when when you see these predictions in the Old Testament about the person of Jesus, about one will come who's born in Bethlehem and, you know, riding on a donkey into Jerusalem, all the rest of it, for that to come true, that's just amazing, you know, absolutely amazing. So that chapter really just hones in a little bit science, a little bit there for the geeks. So, <laughs> so grab a hold of that Big chapter. Big shout out to the geeks. Yeah. yeah. I just want to go back because I, when I read uh, some of the stuff in the book, there was this a part in the, particularly early on, about, I guess, the fascination that people have with Jesus. The fascination in the sense that you know, t-shirts, bobbleheads, yeah, Christian you know, mints, Jesus mints, or whatever. You know, like, yeah. why do people still have a fascination with Jesus, even if? At some level, they don't follow him. Yeah, I think in society today, I think as Dan Kimball wrote a book, um, you know, they follow Jesus. They, they follow Jesus, but not the church, really. And and we know that through Alan Hirsch and Mike Frost writings. But do they that, follow Jesus? Um, well, I think they're open to following Jesus. I think people um, uh, make big generalizations, of course. Um, we live in a diverse community, but there are a lot of people who would. Um, really find the church and the ecclesiology and all all of the ecclesiological structures quite yeah. uh, off-putting. Um, but when they look at the person of Jesus, they see someone who is is possibly worthy of following. You know, um, I mean, I just watched a movie recently that that spoke about. Um, the institutional child abuse that was getting uncovered through um, the Boston Globe, uh, you know, in America and uncovering all um, the abuse that priests had, had put on on children and, and it was just horrific. And so across community today, many people don't like the church, but they're open to the person of Jesus. And there's something about Jesus that um, I think there's, I think for me it comes down to there's power in the name of Jesus. Right? There's, there's something about it that transforms people's lives. Um, and so I think this book, you know, hopefully there's some atheists who might read it and just be challenged about the person of Jesus. And hopefully there's some people who maybe um, just want to grasp a little bit more about who he is and would read it and just be challenged by that. Do you remember the story you told in the book about divine intervention overtaking a road train? You don't remember that? <laughs> Some time ago. Just, you you shared the story. I think it was you. It might have been Steve. It might no, have been Steve. Someone overtaking a massive road train and then 
Oh, yes, up in Darwin. Yeah. Up in Darwin, you know, yeah. like, and then, yeah. all the, yes. and then all of a sudden we want Jesus to appear very quickly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know? And our faith, um, yeah, that would have been me um, talking about because when we were up in, in Darwin, these three, yeah, these road trains are huge. Yeah. And so you pull out on the road and, and you're doing 130 down the freeway and all of a sudden there's this car approaching on the other side and, you, um, you know, it's good for your prayer life when you're struggling. Yeah. <laughs> so you call out, you but, know. My my question is, and I when I read that, I thought it's true that when when someone loses a job, when someone in that moment where you're coming into the headlights, yeah, um, we want a, a a Jesus that intervenes, yeah, now, yeah, um, and there's great urgency about that. You know, yeah. we lose a loved one, we grieve. You know, yeah. where is Jesus in all this? And you know how? And, and I've heard it, and you would have heard it many times. How how does God let this happen? All that yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah. How do you get the urgency then of that the that Jesus then that people need or want in that moment to I'm just taking the dog for a walk and I need Jesus now. Yeah. Like yep. I needed him in that um that intervention, if you like. Yeah. Because I think again that speaks to the, the lies that we hear, the half truths, yeah, and the misconceptions that, that, that Jesus is just a a last resort, and 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 also the other um, side of that is sometimes you see Jesus is just there as a miracle worker as well, and we just want to see the the signs and wonders, want to see the healing, all the rest of it. Um, and uh, in fact, sometimes following Jesus is just day in day out. You know, um, waking up in the morning, giving thanks that you're alive, and just following Jesus throughout the day and looking for opportunities. And sometimes it's it's not those big things that are happening. Sometimes. There is, you know, the, you know, you come on oncoming, uh, oncoming traffic on the other side of the road in Darwin, and you're calling out to Jesus. But sometimes you're just um, going through each day, and and looking to just follow Jesus every day, you know. Um, and it's not about the signs and wonders; it's just about following who He is, you know, the person of Jesus every day, day think, in day out. I think it was Chuck Swindoll who wrote a story about learning how to fly. And yep. he said, "It's like it's like the like living a life of faith. It's just hours and hours of boredom, and yep. then moments of sheer panic. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why yeah. is that propeller stop? You know, yeah. the, the, and that that's part of it. Like it, sometimes it just seems fairly mundane. Or although I think if we live a life that is reflects the life of Jesus in us, yeah, yep. it's not mundane. It's yeah. it's pieces of um, conversation that continually come up and people we interact with and yeah." Um, and that sort of stuff. But I, I guess the idea that it's boring at one level for some people. Yeah. Um, we want a, a miracle worker or we need help. Um, and that I guess that same revolutionary thinking is available all the time. Yeah. It's not just in those moments. It's yeah. it's um, the urgency is always there. Yeah. And imagine if you, you woke up each day just thinking – um, you know, I'm following a revolutionary God, you know, in Jesus Christ. What opportunities will yes. be afforded to me today, you know? Um, so you you wake up each day thinking there's potential here to make a difference. Yep. There's potential knowing that the spirit of Jesus lives inside of me. Um, you know, he he conquered sin in the grave. He's he's inside of me by his spirit. Yep. I can make a difference today. Um, and not just, uh, you know, calling out to him when when things get difficult. And we do that, of course, but just living that day to day. And I think that's spiritual maturity, isn't it? Just to follow Jesus day in, day yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. What about, like, I know this isn't written just for the Salvation Army, but obviously a large 
part of your audience. <laughs> yeah. And those listening, you know, people, even people exploring ministry through the this podcast, yes. uh, yeah. like who is Jesus? Um, yeah. What, what does it mean for the Salvation Army to embrace fully the Jesus Christ of Scripture that was all those things that we've just spoken about? Oh, wow. See, I um, fire up. Oh, this is <laughs> this is a good opportunity. You might want to turn the uh, podcast up right about now. Um, you know, I I think when we embrace and dare I say re-embrace the fullness of the person of Jesus Christ, I, I think that would revolutionise our our movement. I mean, what, what do you mean re-embrace? We did. Well, now we don't. Yeah, I, I'm being a little bit provocative there okay. on purpose. Um, when I say re-embrace, I think to some degree, uh, at times we have. Um, kind of uh, embraced a Jesus less than the Jesus we read in Scripture. I mean, when you look at you look at the Gospels, you don't, don't even have to read my book. Just read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and uh, preferably buy a copy of the book as well. But use, just, use your book as just a book, look Mark. at, you know, the story of Jesus, and you look at, say, four friends wanting to lower their paralytic friend down the roof. Um, you see the woman with the issue of blood. If I can just get to Jesus, you look at Zacchaeus, if I can just climb the tree and get a, a view of Jesus, the blind Bartimaeus, if I could just call out to Jesus, there's a whole bunch of people in the scriptures that just want to get to Jesus because they know if they get into his presence, something is going to happen, right? And uh, I just think we've lost that sense of urgency to get people to Jesus Christ. You can have theological discussions about who he is, what he did, and 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 all of that, which we are today. But all I know is that people in the in the gospels were getting their friends to Jesus, getting themselves to Jesus, because they knew that if they did, something would happen in their life that would transform them. I don't think they even understood fully who Jesus was, that he was the promised Messiah or anything like that, but they knew that if they could get him, get people into his presence, something would happen. If they just touched the hem of his garment, if they could just, you know, say the word, Jesus, and my my son will be healed, you know, um, and say the word and my, my daughter will be healed and 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 things like that. If we can just get Jesus to the, the grave of Lazarus, something's going to happen and, and people just were flocking to Jesus, people that weren't even people of faith. They were Gentiles and and all of that wanting to get to Jesus because they knew something would happen. And I think we need to get that urgency again. And I think our churches need to be places that uh, are so on fire for the Lord that people know that if they can get into that very community of faith, they know that something's going to happen because the spirit of Jesus is in that place. And so I think when I say re-embrace the person of Jesus, I think we want to get to that point, even in the Salvation Army and across the church, um, across the globe really, that if we can get people into the presence of Jesus and whatever that looks like in different contexts, then we know something good is going to happen in that that person's life. Good. Have a glass of water. Just calm down. Is that down. good? That yeah. was good? You told me to fire up. <laughs> So Mark chapter 2, they lower the, the man on the mat. Yeah. And it's, it's, the re, it's the response of those who already believe. We've got to get our brother yep. to Jesus. Yeah. That, that for me yep. is, captures what you just said. Yeah. That it's, oh, that's, that's unfortunate that he, oh, there's a big crowd, can't get in. Yeah, what a shame. Actually, yep. those who believe say, actually, we know, we know someone, we, we know Jesus who can change this oh, person's life. You get me life. fired up, Matt. You get me fired up. See, this is the thing. The four friends didn't give up in wanting to get their friend to Jesus, right? Because nowadays, um, can I suggest, uh, maybe I'll put it on my my life, sometimes um, 
after you pray for someone, you might invite them to church, might invite them to a carol's night or something, and and they don't come along, and you get a bit disappointed, and then you sort of move on and think, uh, uh, maybe maybe they're just too hard-hearted, maybe they're not going to respond to this invitation, whatever. And we kind of, in a sense, kind of give up on people. Um, these four friends were like, this. there's a big crowd here and we can't even get to Jesus where he is. Um, let's not give up. Um, let's continue to do what we need to do to get him, get this paralytic friend into the presence of Jesus. So they, you know, they dug the clay in the roof and they they lowered it down and and it was irreverent, you know, and it and it didn't fit probably the policies and procedures of the house, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like it was it was pretty radical and it was passionate, but they didn't want to give up in in leading their friend mm. to Jesus. And you know what? When they were seeking to have their friend healed by Jesus, he did more than just bring healing, forgave him of his sins. And then all the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day are saying, what's going on here? You know, all of a sudden he's saying he forgives sins, you know, and so you've got Mark's gospel that just goes on from there, you know, that Jesus was more than just a healer, more than just someone who could, um, you know, perform a miracle, but he was one that came to actually forgive people of their sins. (laughs) Revolutionary right there, you know. Boom. Correct. That's yeah. good, but it's true, isn't it? Yeah. And that's what we want. I think that's what I want people to capture. That, yeah. that that story, Mark chapter 2, and I'll just use that because yeah. you brought it up, is a classic example of why we need to understand who the person of Jesus is and what yeah. he can do. Yeah, look, and look, even if we even if we don't understand who the person of Jesus is, understand him to the degree that we know that if we get people to him things are going to happen. So even if we don't understand the fullness of, of, of Christology and, and uh, you know, you start to read N.T. Wright or you start to read, um, you know, whoever authors, you know, books about Jesus, um, Lee Strobel, whatever, you read books about, you don't understand the fullness of Jesus. You may not, but all you need to know is that if you get people to Jesus and offer a, a place of faith and, um, you know, where the Spirit of God is moving in, in your midst, um, you know that something's going to happen that brings fullness of life. You know, Jesus came to bring life in all of its fullness. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not trying to pretend like people don't know, but Christology being the study of Christ. Yeah, yeah. Right? And I only say that because people listening may Yeah, sure. Not. But the idea that what Scripture is where we study Christ and yeah. then there's other sources yeah. for us to do that and obviously you know, what we're talking about today. So this book is really about Christology. It's about the person of Jesus and it doesn't even capture a whole realm of theology called soteriology, which is about salvation. Salvation, yeah. I mean, that's a whole other book and that'll be released, you know, down the track. But um, 2026. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Once I understand enough about it to write about it. Um, Yeah, but the person of Jesus is enough um, in and of itself to produce a book. Where do do people get a copy of the book? So um, there's probably a few ways they can get it. They can go to my website at petebrookshaw.com, which will just have a few links there, which might be the easiest way, petebrookshaw.com. If you don't know how to spell my surname, my wife doesn't know either, so that's fine. Um, But also Salvationist Supplies will have it online um, and we're also um, looking at a few other websites, Vision Store online as well. And you're launching Um, the book. Very soon yeah. at the Still Others Conference. Yeah, so if people want to come it. along, how do they? Absolutely. So we're launching, I just confirmed the other day, um, 1.30 p.m. on the Sunday of Still Others. Mm-hmm. So in between the two um, uh, 
you know, main Sunday gathering. When all the salvos are standing around looking yeah, for Yeah, trying to fit into their full do. blues, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> um, when they're standing around sucking in their guts, trying to look good. Um, I'll be on the stage at the expo area uh, launching the book at 1.30, so encourage my grandma who's listening to uh, come along. That would be awesome. All right, Pete. Is there anything else we need to talk about? No, just looking forward to... to um, yeah, launching this out, getting it out. If anyone wants bulk copies of the book, um, you know, even Christmas study, time coming study up. Study guides, if people like, not study guides, but it's built in the book. Yeah, but if yeah, people want to use it as Bible study at the core. Yeah, absolutely. So there's, at the end of each chapter, there's um, what we call chapter chats and it's got a whole bunch of questions and also um, just some summary points and as how, well. what, three weeks? If you did it over... Yeah, well, there's nine. There's nine chapters, there's nine so you chapters. could do three weeks. You could do nine yeah. weeks, whatever. Okay, um, nine weeks if you if you're serious. But if yeah, if you want bulk copies, just let me know. Um, probably via social media and less for cash. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, pay less for cash. That's good guys, mate. That's good guys. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> All right, Pete. Thanks very much. And now, now, just on that, still others. The whole uh, weekend is coming up um, very soon. It starts on the twenty seventh. I think it's a Tuesday night. There's yes. um, some missional sort of training stuff happening during the day. But then Friday night of Still Others is the launch of the Australia Territory. Yeah. Uh, the General Brian Peddle and Commissioner Rosalie Peddle will be here right. to do that with our own national leaders. Um, and then so that's the Friday night. Then Saturday there's activities, Christmas gift, Sunday yep. morning commissioning, sending out. It's all happening. So if you haven't registered, um, go to Still Others. Uh, just Google still others and register for the events yeah, and get awesome. along. I think some of the uh, the events, some of the events are free, but I think you still need to register. So make sure you take the opportunity to register. The whole Salvation Army is coming together. It's going to be a great time uh, to catch up. Pete, thanks very much for your time. Thanks, You're a Matt. beautiful man. Um, I enjoy your company, and we're um, yeah, we look forward to the next instalment awesome. or whatever it be. Thanks, so Matt. thanks very much. If you've got any questions or comments, you can leave them on the Facebook page or send me an email and I'll get them to you. Um, don't forget, PeteBrookshaw.com, you get a copy of the book or Salvationist Supplies. Thanks very much. We'll catch up soon. Bye. Thanks for joining us for more about Officership. You can join the conversation at facebook.com forward slash SA Candidates Australia. If you want to explore Officership further, please speak to your local core officer or candidate secretary. The Salvation Army needs more leaders. Is God asking for more of you?